Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Mike Catholic from CLNS Media, joined as always by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. We are here to break down the Patriots' 27-13 win last night against the uh, Cardinals. Oh, don't football. do that. Don't I do that. I put it in quotes, dude. I, I have a, it's this I know. time of year, man. You got to win games to get in the postseason. Max says it. You're right. We talk about it every. We talk about it all the time when they win because it's you know it's hard to win in the NFL and they are seven and six, and they are the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture. They do control their own destiny. You're right. You got to find ways to win, but it's hard to take much. Like you know, it's hard to see what they did last night and have confidence moving forward in this team. And you know, you think about a big picture. And I know you. You know, we're here to break this game down. And it's you know, you take right. it game by game. And they did go one and zero, but you look big picture. And I still have a hard time thinking this. This is a team that's going to compete against you know the best in the AFC and the best in the NFL. The offense was a disaster. The defense was good again. Um, let's talk about the defense. You know, right off the bat, we'll we'll start with that. Um, with some news as well, because Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray first drive of the game last night goes out uh, non contact injury on his knee. He's out for the rest of the game, and it comes out this morning that he did end up tearing his ACL. So he'll be out for the rest of the season, probably a good chunk of next season as well. So, I mean, that's just tough for a Cardinals team that you know, was already down for the count. A guy like Cliff Kingsbury, who's on the hot seat as it is, now losing his quarterback, who's, you know, as much crap as you want to give Kyler Murray for the video games and the, you know, sometimes he's, Patrick Peterson had talked about him not being, you know, he's all about Kyler Murray, but. I mean, he's a heck of a football player, and that's a huge loss for a, a team that just paid him a full load of money, too. So uh, tough stuff there with Kyle Amari, but he goes down. Cole McCoy comes in. The defense, you know, they let up only 13 points, and, uh, you know, they looked good again last night. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the big thing with the defense, I think you talk about can this team make a push to the playoffs? Can they win a playoff game? If they are going to do that, it's on the pass rush. Like, like the pass rush is the best unit this team has going for them. Now they're playing an incredibly high level and the quarterbacks they have ahead, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, they have to be able, even Derek Carr, I would argue just in, in that offense, they have to be able to make the quarterbacks uncomfortable. And right now, Josh, UJ is playing as good as any pass rush in the NFL has 10 sacks in the last seven weeks. That's the most in the NFL by that span. Nick Bose is the next closest at seven and a half. And keep in mind, Josh, UJ had a bye week in there. So he's been outstanding. It's opening up opportunities for Matthew Judon. They still have room to get better because if and when Christian Barmore comes back, that's going to unlock a whole other level. So look, I don't know that they get six sacks. If it's Kyler Murray instead of Colt McCoy, that certainly changes things, but you can watch the way the pass rushers interact with the linemen, kind of putting the quarterback to the side for a second. You just watch the games they're running up front and the way they're executing up front. And it's all being done at a very high level right now. So can they keep it up? You know, they kind of went, they were playing really well and they kind of went quiet in that Minnesota game. They're going to need them here over these, this next stretch, down the stretch here against a lot of good teams. But 
if the defensive line can play like that, they're going to be in any game. I don't really care who the opponent is. They're going to be in any game. Now, can they win any game? I don't know because you, you bring in the rest of the roster, but that, that pass rush is, is real. That pass rush is legit and it's scary. Well, that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on it. Like, again, he, he, there's no denying that Josh, Josh Uche has been a monster, right? And he's, he's clear. He's turned himself into like an, a dominant bookend on the other side of Matt Judon. And we've talked about it, how, just how, when you have a guy on one side who can take away the, another team's best tackle, you have another guy who can, you know, br- bring the rush on the other side. It's, you know, fabulous stuff. And they have been great. I still am. I find myself a little bit iffy with this, uh, with this defense. And I just think that, it's obviously it's it couldn't have happened this way because he he did leave the game, but I I would have liked to seen them against Kyler Murray because they they remind me almost of I, I forget who had said this before, but it was a good analogy, and it's kind of like a schoolyard bully where the bad teams you beat up on them, and then the good teams come around and you kind of get your butt kicked a little bit, like especially with these better quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson who rushed for a hundred yards on them and Justin Fields who. They weren't able to get after and Josh Allen last week, who, as we know, I mean, they, they, they haven't been able to contain Josh Allen in their last six meetings. So like, yes, it's great that they won. And it's great that Colt McCoy was able to come in and, you know, allow them to dominate on defense. But, you know, when the playoffs come around and you do have to face a, a Joe Barrow or a Pat Mahomes, like the only guy I really can think of in the AFC playoff picture that they can handle is Brian Tannehill and maybe Tua. So like, I know we're, we're here to break down this game. The Patriots were awesome on in the pass rush in this game, but looking forward, I still, well, I'm, I'm again, stuck. we're all pushed back on that is you watch just the offensive line and the pass rush interact. That has nothing to do with the quarterback and they look good. You know, sure. Maybe it's something where they're getting psyched out against these better quarterbacks, but in that sense, they look good. And I'll tell you this too, because I was full on ready for this. If <laughs> Kyler had played that game and didn't play yeah. well, there was going to be a whole lot of, well, it's Kyler Murray. He's not that good. He sucks. He's too short and he turns the ball over a lot. Like there would one way or another, Kyler Murray was getting disrespected after this game. If he finished it right. It's just a cop out for the people who want to punch down on this team, the tank and miss the playoffs for the draft pick people. Like right. I'm, the, the pass rush played well. I don't care who the quarterback is. And if Kyler Murray had played well, I will tell you, there would have been a number of people today telling you that Kyler Murray's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. You probably would have heard it. Yeah. I personally happen to believe he's a bit overrated. I don't think he's as good as everybody says. I wouldn't have given him the contract Arizona did. I was ready to say that no matter what happened. Right? If if he right. lit them up, I would be telling you he's not that good. But I'm sitting here today telling you when he left that and it sucks he got hurt and I hope he gets better. Obviously, I don't mean to dump right. on the guy after he got hurt. <laughs> but you know, we all of a sudden Kyler Murray's this MVP that they dodged. I don't put him. I don't put him on the Burrow level. I don't put. I don't even put him on the Allen level. I don't put him on on the Mahomes level. Any of those levels, right? Yeah, but you look at the way he can run around, right? And it's not. It's not necessarily the the Burrow and Allen level of that, like a a a winning quarterback. You know, it would have been nice to see them against a mobile quarterback. But everybody's acting like everybody's acting like this was an automatic loss because of massive quarterback firepower on the other side. And by the way, we're going to do this again next week with Derek Carr, right? Derek Carr all of a sudden, and I sort of did it earlier, and I mean yeah. in the context of that offense because he's got great receivers, but well, now they got to deal with Derek Carr and Derek Carr this, and he got the big contract, and they got to be able to stop good quarterbacks, and then Carr will throw two picks, and oh, man, Derek Carr sucks. You know, this doesn't count. It's Derek Carr. So 
I'm done discounting the Patriots defense because the opponent. I'm really done doing it because they're playing impressive football against impressive players. We can get into DeAndre Hopkins in a little bit. And yes, it was a lot easier for them with Colt McCoy in the game instead of Kyler 100%. Murray. But they did things aside from who the quarterback was that deserve applause. I, I can't disagree with you, but then you look again and you look at their wins throughout the season and it's, I mean, now granted, Jared Goff looks like a great win because the Lions right. look sensational. Okay, so so they're not on a Super Bowl track. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Right. But, you know, again, against a guy like Tua, right? Even a guy like Herbert, who they've dominated in the past, right? Yeah. If they somehow drew him in the playoff uh, playoffs, Tua, Tua's kind of backsliding here, right? Tannehill, I, I think I got them all. You know, I I just I against the Jets, right? The Jets don't have their quarterback situation figured out. No. You never know how it's and then there could like Lamar's banged up right now. You never know how it's gonna go. The matter of the fact is they're playing good defense more often than they aren't. Yes, they're playing worse against good quarterbacks. That's right. generally what happens in the NFL. Most teams <laughs> play worse against good quarterbacks. I challenge you outside of those mid-2000s Ravens teams to show me a team that plays better against good quarterbacks. It just doesn't happen. So I just think it's a really weird critique, and I get why people want to be down on the team because they don't right. look like a contender, and I get no. it. But taking shots at the defense based off their opponent, there's enough ammunition to critique the team where I think you don't need to do that to find a, to find a way to pick at them, right? That's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of other opportunities there to do it but you still want to see a win against a viable quarterback and the games that they've played against viable quarterbacks, they've lost and the games that they've played against, you know, Zach Wilson twice and Jacoby Brissett and Tua or no Tua was a win. I'm sorry. Well, they even lost to Tua who wasn't even like in, in this, you know, dolphin system yet. So again, it's just, it, look, I, it's, it's tough to judge here because like you said, you know, Kyler wasn't in the game, and Colt McCoy did come in, and they, they played well against Colt McCoy, and they beat their opponent. I, I I'm right. with you that there's more to pick apart in this on this team than the defense, because again, they played well tonight. They've played well in in spurts this season, and they're going to end up being the reason that this team can succeed because it's not their offense. Um, there was really there was really three drives in this game that kind of you know t turned the whole thing on its head. Yep. Um, it was the De uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, punch out, which I mean, a great play by Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar's a beast, and Hopkins was also not really holding onto the football too much. Um, it looks like Shane yeah, I mean, McCoy out there. The credit there isn't so much for the play itself; it's the work he put in do during the week. Right? He watches right. on film. He 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 acknowledged. Okay, this is how Hopkins carries the ball. I, I'm going to have an opportunity here. Like that play was made Monday and Tuesday. That that exactly. play was made well before Sunday. That's really, but yeah, great play by Duggar. Yeah, so that play happens. McMillan picks it up, scoops and scores. That was it was at a tie game. It was thirteen thirteen. Turns into a twenty to thirteen game. Following drive, Colt McCoy throws a pick. I can't remember if he got hit or not, but lands in Marcus Jones's uh, breadbasket basically. And then two plays, Patriots offense clicks for just the two plays they had to down the seam. Hunter Henry for like thirty five yards, and then uh, Pierre Strong scores and twenty seven thirteen. That's a game. So outside of those three drives, it was just a. Uh, crazy, like not even so much crazy, but it was just sort of a boring game of football that both teams looked like they had no idea what they were doing. And point being, you know, they, the Patriots did what they had to for three drives. And so that's, you know, that's how you got to win a football game sometimes. And they did it. Um, 
you look at it and like the best offense is kind of a good defense at some point, and they were they were good enough tonight or last night. Yeah, that 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 kind of you just said there, you know, best offense, a good defense. It feels like if they're going to win games here down the stretch, if they are going to beat some of these good teams, that's the blueprint. Can the defense step up, make right. plays, make impact plays, flip momentum, and then can the offense at the very least capitalize when the defense gives them a chance? And they did that last night. Right. They they scored off the turnover. They scored off the interception. They scored drive there. Um, they almost botched the double score, but the defense gets a quick stop at the other end. They're able to move yep. the ball down the field, get that first field goal, and then get the field goal on the other side of it. The question is, can they do it against better teams? And that's that's what we haven't seen them do. You know, well, they don't have a win against a quality quarterback. It it, it, it it's the overall opponent, right? You know, I don't know that these these lack of wins against these quarterbacks have been because of the defense. Mac throws three picks against Baltimore early in the season. There's a quality quarterback um, against Josh Allen. It was really just a play or two that cost him the drop interception and quitting when they thought he stepped out of bounds. Like it's been mental errors more than that. So this is the style of football they want to play. What we saw them do against the Cardinals, where it's defense driven, defense creating offense, complementary football. But to do that, you don't have a large margin for error and they've operated outside that margin for error for most of the year and the offense has to take advantage of opportunities which it has not done for the most part this year and then it did last night so that to me is 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 my big takeaway from the game in a perfect world the way bill belichick's drawn it up and and designed this roster for better or worse that's how they're trying to win games force turnovers points off turnovers points off short fields control the time of possession control the field position and, and just win ugly, right? That that's right. how they're built. And there's nothing there's that's been a strategy in the NFL for a long time. That's nothing new. But again, you have to operate a certain way to win with that strategy. They haven't been able to operate that way on a consistent basis. They did it last night. Now they need to do it against some better teams. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and the World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. For the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Right. Another thing I want to point out on the defense, and uh, I guess on the offense and on special teams, is Marcus Jones. Uh, On one hand, I love it. I mean... The guy's a beast in all three phases of the game. Last night, I'm looking here. He had, on defense, he had eight tackles. He had an interception for an 18-yard return. He then had two kick returns, a punt return, two pass deflections on defense, and then he had a catch for 12 yards. They're using him in every single phase of the game. But at some point, you got to give the guy a breather, right? Like, yeah. It, again, it's good. And so I do, and it, you know, you look, and I just, I did just kind of try to dump on the defense, and I get what you're saying. It's a good thing. So it's hard to, you know, fault them for playing Jones so much when he's making impactful plays. But you're going to burn this guy out in his first season. And you're putting him at risk to get hurt when he's, he's a better corner than he is a damn wide receiver, obviously. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
keep him in the kick and punt return game. But like, you know, we talked about it last week too, and they, they kind of got Tyquan Thornton the ball more on offense. It was sort of, you know, by process of elimination. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Down. Yeah, we'll, which we'll get to that in the offense, and we'll talk that through. But, um, I mean, Marcus Jones is a beast in every facet of the game. And, I mean, it's cool to see, but I think they need to kind of ramp him down on offense a little bit and just let him play defense because he played really well on defense last night. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about this, like them burning guys out, right? I, I, I love the idea that he can play both sides of the ball, and I, I actually think he should keep doing that. Uh, I, I think it's it makes it really tough to get. That's got to be incredibly tough to game plan for because you don't know when you're going to see him, how much you're going to see him, right? Right. But they do need to be careful for it. And I think he played like 86 snaps last night. That's an yeah. insane amount. So they might not be in a spot where they can cut back on the snaps on defense. I don't know. Maybe he, he might not have been supposed to play that much defensively last night. Right. And then obviously Jack Jones gets hurt in. Right. They're thin at corner. They're real thin at boundary corner. All their corners last night or three of the four were five, 10 and under. Then you have Sean Wade who really doesn't play that much. Right. Getting out there. So the depth at corner was exposed, but. Yeah, they, they they do really need to be careful about burning him out. The one other thing I want to point out about the defense, they all right, so you want to win against a quality quarterback. What I'll, I'll tell you is this. <laughs> yes, Alex, they, I do. They need to do it. They finally had the they finally had a good game against a star wide receiver, which I think yes. is big as well. And DeAndre Hopkins stat line on the night, seven catches for 79 yards is fine, but three of those catches came on that final drive where the game was pretty much over. Like it wasn't over, but it was over and the Patriots were playing very conservatively, allow the catch, make the tackle right through the first three quarters. When that game was really up in the air, four catches for 53 yards for Hopkins. That's a great, considering they had rookies on them all night from Jack Jones to Marcus Jones. That's a great performance. That's a great performance on him. A little concerned how bad they got beat. and, And it was very brief, but Robbie Anderson killed him in the slot. Killed him. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals yeah, never really Bro- went. Robbie Anderson had like 10 yards as a Cardinal going into this game, and he ended up toasting them on the inside. But Yeah, I don't know. They they had that one drive where they kept going to him. Yeah. And I believe that's the drive that ended with the Hopkins fumble. They yeah, never right. went They never went back to him. And, I mean, that's a massive mismatch, him on Miles Bryant. So mm-hmm. that's on Cliff. I'm a little surprised Cliff Kingsbury still has a job. I thought we were going to wake up this morning. He was going to be canned. <laughs> Me Maybe too. With the Kyler injury, it's just a lot of change at once, and they don't want to do that to the roster right now, to the locker room right now. But yeah, that they still got to figure out the, the 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 speed out of the slot, whether it's putting Marcus Jones there, which I get maybe they couldn't have done last night due to the injuries, but you know they got to figure out a way to to take some of these mismatches away from Miles Bryant. That's my biggest concern with the defense is they still don't seem to be respecting speed at the receiver position in the way that they probably should and it's burning them. Yeah. Uh, you talk about just the cornerbacks and the injuries now. Um, Jalen Mills was out. Jack Jones left the game. Um, Chris Mason from Mass Live asked, uh, reported that he told him after the game that it was just a bruised knee and he should be okay. Yeah, he which, tweeted I mean, he was fine too. It's He ended up, he tweeted a broken heart emoji and everyone was like, oh no, what happened? And then he followed that up. It was, yeah, no, that was good. weird. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, Remember that happened earlier this season with Trent Brown too. Everyone yeah. was like, well, yeah. Trump, we thought Trent Brown was traded for like eight minutes on Twitter. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, I, like you said, the corners are banged up, um, but it's, it doesn't seem none of them are really season ending. And so I feel like they can kind of piece it together here moving forward uh, from the cornerback room. But again, these rookies and these second year players, I tweeted it out and I'm, I've started to write about it a little bit more, but uh, Macro 
And, you know, the, the draft operation has been so much better over the last two years. And you saw it with the defense last night with Marcus Jones and Jack Jones. And you saw it on offense with uh, with the running backs, too. Uh, do yeah. you, before we go offense, do you, want, do you have anything more on the defense? Uh, felt like a good transition, but, I mean, there's... Um, I mean, they got to tackle better. They, they, they do. Yeah. It, it was kind of a one-off. They've been okay with that this year, but... They 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 got attacked like Juwan Bentley getting bowled over at the goal line can't happen. That yeah, that he's he's there right. to make that play. So that that but again that's a one off. I I don't know that that's necessarily it was it was an issue early in the year. They've had it cleaned up pretty much since October. So you know Josh Jacobs next week. That's a guy that's going to get downhill. It's a tough yeah. guy to tackle. So they've handled these guys that are tough to tackle the last couple of weeks until last night. But right. they got to snap out, snap out, and get back to it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, before we get into the offense, though, let's just talk about our good friends over at LinkedIn, Alex, because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media. We can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job, add your listing, and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. As we inch closer to the end of the uh, 2022 year and the end of the winter, uh, it's the perfect time to add the right team member and end that year strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job to, post your job at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about that offense, Alex, because, again, it was just bad. And, I mean, I, I was transitioning to it, so let's hit on the running back room now uh, before we kind of get into the bigger picture. Because um, it's been a topic of discussion here so often where Damian, whoop, Damian Harris is hurt and Ramondre's got to take on the load. And eventually, is he going to break? He's rolling. We ask him every week when we have him in the media room, how do you feel? How do you feel? I'm good. I'm good. I'm taking care of myself. And not to say that last night was him not taking care of himself. He just he goes down with an injury, goes down with the ankle, leaves for the game. But the rookies come in strong, literally. Pierre Strong, five carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Kevin Harris, eight for 26 and a touchdown. And for two guys who had barely taken a snap from the running back position, they were pretty good, and they, you know, they mended the fence for the running game anyway last night. I thought it was impressive, and they looked fine. Oh my god, who would have thought, right? That the running these backs kids can actually Replaceable. play. Yeah, I'm just going to blow this up into into my bigger theme for the game because it all ties in. Do it, right? Their offense has been. This is what we were talking about last week after the Bills lost. The offense is too predictable. It's mm-hmm. Ramondre Stevenson in the flat. It's Devontae Parker on a slant or it's Jacoby Myers just just on a curl, right? And that's it. That's 90% of their offense, and teams know it, and they're sitting on it. And they, you know, despite the fact they have Kendrick Bourne, who's electric with the ball in his hands, Tyquan Thornton's speed, right? Damian Harris, who's a quality back. We weren't even talking about the rookies. We were trying to get Damian Harris more involved, right? right? And they never went to it. And as guys started getting hurt last night, you just kind of had the thought of, well, what are they going to do? Right. These guys that they've refused to play are now their only option. And are they just going to essentially, you know, not kneel it out, but just run an even more vanilla offense? Or are right. we actually going to get to see these guys make plays? And wouldn't you know it, Kendrick Bourne 
on design touches, making plays. Yep. Five targets tied for second on the team with Tyquan Thornton. And look, I don't love how they use Tyquan. He should be running yep. vertically more, but I get it. The, the offensive line couldn't block. It's a good pass rush. It's a team that blitzes a lot, but they got him with the ball in his hands, with blockers in front of him. Th- uh, uh, three of his four catches picked up first downs. That's Tyquan. The rookie running backs, Pierre Strong, speed, which they've needed, makes plays. Yep. Kevin, like they don't look helpless out there, which it feels like is what the Patriots thought would happen. And there's some people today, including the former host of this show, one of the former hosts of the show, <laughs> who want to give them credit for this. I, I won't give them credit for stumbling onto this by default. This was not the game plan. Kendrick Bourne was not supposed to be this involved. Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris were not supposed to be this involved. They right. were never going to be this involved. History tells us that. They were forced into it due to injuries. And I wouldn't be shocked, Mike. I don't know about you. I wouldn't be shocked if, if well, so let me, I, I, I'm I not saying let's I wouldn't it. be shocked if, if Ramondre Stevens and Devontae Parker are healthy next week. I don't know. But let's say they are. Whenever those guys are healthy again, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if they go back to the vanilla stuff they've been doing and goodbye, Kevin Harris, goodbye, Pierre Strong, goodbye, Tyquan Thornton, goodbye, Kendrick Bourne. Uh And I just, I refuse to give him credit for doing what one, everybody on the outside is acknowledged would work for three months and two only turning to it because they had literally no other option, right? Short of putting more defensive players on the field on offense. So I'll say like, I'll, I'll give them credit for this. Everybody wanted to joke about the screens, and yes, it was an absurd amount of screens. 12 was, screen passes was, was a career high for Mac Jones. But when your offensive line can't block and you're facing a team that blitzes a ton and you have a lot of speed on the field, that actually makes some sense to call a lot of screens. Now, they should have mixed in some other things, some draws, right. some RPOs, but like that unit, right? I've we, I, We've been talking about this since the summer. Kendrick Bourne, you say what you want about Nelson Aguilar. He had a rough game last night. I will acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But he he's fast. They targeted he him brings, 10 times. 10 times. Well, because that was their first instinct was he's right. the only guy on the field we trust. That's yeah. the guy they that's the guy they trust of everybody who played last night. Yeah. Like throughout the game. But he's fast. He can't deny it. He's fast. The defense has to account for it. You right. put Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Tyquan Thornton out there on the field and you make Pierre strong, the running back on top of that. That's a lot of speed. That's hard to defend. You're going to force the defense to go light. You're going to force the defense to put two safeties up top. That opens up a ton of opportunities in the screen game, in the running game, in the short game where they really want to throw the football. We've been talking about this for months and they only went to it by default. So, and it worked. It's frustrating because how much have they left on the table, right? By not doing this sooner. So that's what kills me with all of this. They should have turned to it sooner. I don't trust they're going to stay with it, assuming no. Parker and Stevenson return this year. But that is sort of what their offense should have been. And by the way, it's also sort of what they did with Bailey Zappi to an extent. Right. Well, I was so, just going to – that was my point. That was it, what I was coming in with. It's it's just all really frustrating that, yes, it finally clicked. Mm-hmm. This was their plan Z. This was their, right. you know, this was the last plan. This was Blake, Bray, their best. I don't want to say their best, but their offensive option that, that sort of unlocked things a little bit was yeah. their break glass in case of emergency option. And, and by the way, I'm not saying 
bench Ramondre Stevenson. That's not at all what I'm saying. No. I'm not saying bench Devontae Parker. I'm not saying bench Jacoby Myers. But from the running back point of view, you see the wear and tear building on Ramondre, right? They have other guys, whether it be Damian Harris or the rookies, all three of whom can play. You, Ramondre Stevenson doesn't need a 98% right. usage rate. He doesn't. You can allow him to rest. You can put these other guys in the game, and they'll still get you where you need to go. And then you get a much fresher Ramondre Stevenson at the end of the game when you really need him. Right. In terms of wide receivers, this goes back to something I've talked about since camp. The beauty of this group, and when I complimented this group, I always got knocked for it. Oh, they don't have a real number one. I know that. The beauty of this group is there's five guys with five very different skill sets, and you can mix them and match them and keep the defense off guard. When you're going with just Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker, you're really limiting yourself. You're taking that speed dynamic out. You're taking that yak dynamic out. If you mix those guys with Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton, right, you're going to create more looks that the defense has to account for, and you're not as predictable, especially, by the way, if the offensive line can't block, which at this point is just a problem until the offseason. That's not getting fixed. They don't have the personnel in-house to do it. So, well, what's a way to work around that? Yards after catch, guys. Get the ball to guys who you can get the ball out quick, and they can still pick up chunk plays. That's not Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is a a find-the-sticks-and-sit-down guy. Your yak guys are Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton, and Pierre Strong. So here's – and I know I'll let you go in a second. I can see you kind of bubbling over, but it was just so frustrating (laughs) because we've been talking about this for months, and they finally did it, not because they wanted to, but because they had to. Right. And the hope is it was eye-opening, and we see – and the hope is, first of all, Parker and, and Stevenson come back as soon as possible. You don't want to rush a guy back, especially Parker with the concussion. But right. the hope is those guys come back. They integrate the whole thing together. They use their personnel to the maximum as they should be. And they they kind of actually start to build something offensively here at the end of the season. Now, I don't know that that will happen. That's my what I was t- just going to say. My man. gut tells me it's <laughs> going to be Ramondre Stevenson with the 98%, you know, Usage rate again as yep. soon as he's healthy and Jacoby Myers with 15 targets again as soon as he's healthy and Kendrick Bourne not playing again and, and all of that. But the pieces are there. The the stuff that I've been yelling about and I'm yelling about the right now. The pieces have been there. It's right. been there. Exactly. So, and, wh- sorry, one more thing because I saw it in the comments. Hit it. Don't come at me about the quarterback. The quarterback made some plays last night when he had time. The quarterback's damn good, guys. Up this know. team – up the seam twice to Hunter Henry. That was a staple play last year. Disappears this year. When they bring it back, they brought it back against Minnesota. They brought it back in that game. He looked good. He had the throw on the boundary to Nelson Aguilar, right? On that third down. It's a hell of a throw. The quarterback made it. So, so don't talk to me about the quarterback. Don't. Yes, they could use more talent on offense, but don't talk to me about a talent void on offense. The pieces are there, man. They just got to put it together. Tua Tagovailoa doesn't make that sideline throw. I'll tell you that right no, now. No, he doesn't. Um, no, he does not. So, like you said, you saw me bubbling over, and I was I was sort of just – I had some points, and then you would keep going, and then I would be like, well, how do I relate this to that? And so the point being here that I was trying to – that I kind of wanted to just add to that is you don't give them credit for – you don't give the coaches credit for scheming up Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. You can't because, it, like you said, it was their break glass. But right. – Go to someone, and I mentioned him earlier with the defense, and now you look at it on the offensive side again. It's a guy, it's Matt Groh. 
And it's the drafting that this team has done. They have guys in place that even when it is their plan Z can come in and come in and uh, contribute like a Bailey Zappi who gets thrown into the fire and makes plays for this team and wins a few games for this team. And then your best two running backs go down and you got to rely on these draft picks and Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. And that starts, that's not, it's not a Bill Belichick thing anymore. Bill Belichick struggled as a drafter and Robert Kraft came out and said, something's got to change. And then they finally made the change internally and they, they put uh, Macro as the, you know, the, he, they headed him up as, you know, in the scouting and drafting department. And last year they had Elliot Wolf and they had uh, Dave Ziegler here before he left for right. uh, Las Vegas. But they, they still have Elliot Wolf. Well, they still have Wolf and they still have um, Mac Rowe. And yeah. now these, these guys are coming in and they're playing right away and they're succeeding two years well, in a row. When, it's When the coaches let them play right away, they're playing right away. Exactly. I'm down on these coaches, but I'm high on this Mac Rowe. I mean, I'll, I'll, have, I'll say it, Mike. I Maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment here. And I know like Josh Uche looks great right now and Ramondre looks yep. great right now. Matt Groh may be the best thing the Patriots have going for them right now. 100%. And I, 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 I mean that in a very positive sense, because mm-hmm. if they do want to get back to the point where they're contenders, the draft has to be a part of it. They can, they can add free agents, of course, but right. what you're seeing right now is kind of the, when it's free agency without the draft and there's some young guys making plays, but they're still young. Right. Right. You're seeing that 2021 free agency class. And that's kind of all you're counting on. If they can put together three, four, five of these drafts in a row, yes. Well, you know, that's basically what they did from like 2009 to 2011, right? right. And then you saw these guys like Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, uh, Jamie Collins, Chandler Jones. Like you saw these guys on the 14 team, Joe Tooney, Shaq Mason, yep. Shane Vereen, James White, like start to show up over that second dynasty. That was like right. three or four solid years worth of drafts. I would say they're at two right now. They're at yes. two right now. Two in can a row. Mac, and it's right. Can Matt Grow give him two, maybe three more? I think he can. And if he can do that, and they don't ruin Mac, and they, you know, the offensive line has to be a quick fix. But besides right. that, they're gonna be in really good shape. Like I love the job Matt Grow's doing right now. 100 percent It's it's in order, I think. Mac Jones, Christian Barmore. Ramondre yeah. Stevenson last year. This year, you, you have... Yeah. And then this year, it's um, Cole Strange. Who, Cole Strange. Say, say what you will, he was solid. He's been solid, and he's still a rookie, and, you know, he has room to pooper. Cole Strange, immediate impact at some points. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, who they need to get integrated, but Tyquan Thornton has When potential. they give him the ball, good things happen. Exactly. When and they give him Mar- the ball. Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, yeah. Bailey Zappi, and the two running backs you saw last night, yeah. Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. That's like five. And let me just in, add, by the way, let me just add yeah. Brendan Schooler, Demarcus Mitchell on special teams. Right. Yep. Yeah. Undrafted guys too. It's like it's it's hitting and it's real and it's a real thing with Macro in the front office. The problem is the dang coaching, Alex. And we saw it last night. Sorry, wait. Can I add one more? Can I add yeah, one more go, front office go, move? They made gotta, somebody I, put it in the chat. I just have okay. to bring it up. I forgot about when we were talking about the defense. Yep. Jelani Tavaya. Oh, I know. They bring him in, and he's making plays. Yeah. Well, the the, the problem there is, I think that's a but that's a Patricia decision, that's, yeah, and that's, I don't like I, that. I know but. it is. I just I, I forgot to get that in. We were yeah. in the defense. He made a good play last night yeah, for two million dollars. If he's making plays like that, that's a steal. Anyway, you were saying Matt Groh, no, excellent. He's a good player. No, Groh's been excellent. But the thing that's not excellent is this coaching. And Mac Jones is once again blowing up on the sidelines, and on the field, and. 
I can't get a, a feel for um, sort of what what the media and what fans think of it. Um, but I love it. And it reminds me way too much of Tom Brady that I have to talk about it. Yeah. And you hate comparing him to Brady and I get it. And he's not, he's not even close. He's, you know, he's a 500 quarterback, whatever you are, a little over 500, blah, blah, blah. But it's clear that he's fed up. And to me, every single week this team plays that it is not Mac Jones fault that this team is where they are. And this offense is where they are because he goes out there and he makes these plays the the throw on the sideline and you know just there, there's so many you, you can pick them apart you can look them at uh, look at them in, on film but the epitome of like the coaching staff and this offense was despite them coming out with a double score the end of the first half and then the beginning of the second half because the end of the first half they have two timeouts left 10 seconds left on like the 35 yard line and they run the football I mean, what are we doing? Like, seriously, that and, is and like... And run it out of the shotgun. Right. It's, what are we well, doing? Sorry, sorry, let me backtrack real quick. They get the ball with, like, 2.13 left and barely right. get to the two-minute warning before punting defense saves them. They get another shot. Right. This That's where, where the double out. score... Yeah. It, yeah, and then you pick it up again and you have a shot and you get in, in scoring range. 35 or 10 seconds left on the 35 going in. Two timeouts and you run the football and you just try and play for a field goal. Like, you have two timeouts. Try and make a play. You have a quarterback who's playing pretty well for the circumstances around him, and you just, you essentially, you're not punting, but you're just playing so conservatively. And it's like, it makes no sense. Why are you not trying to score a touchdown? They're so incapable of calling an offense. And it's not even, it's Matt Patricia's fault, but it's not Matt Patricia's fault. It's Bill Belichick's fault because he's putting them in these situations. There's this talk, and there's this talk about the hot seat. And I wrote about it last night, and I, it's you know it could be prisoner of the moment, but it feels like there's something there to this whole. Could they do something with Bill Belichick if something doesn't change? Because the buck stops with him, and something has to change on this offense. Because like you said, Grow's been great. The offense or the defense is in a good spot. They have talent. Something has to change on this offense, and it has to happen sooner rather than later. Because you're going to either lose Max confidence, you're going to lose him as a player, or you're going to just continue losing football games. Yeah. I, so as it comes to Belichick's job security, I just guessing, right. Mm -hmm. I would think he'd be given an opportunity where it's like, Hey, you're a defensive guy, right? Matt's a defensive guy. There needs to be a real offensive mind in charge of the, like if like Matt's not going to be here, right. Matt right. Or, or Matt's, I could see, I could see a world honestly where he's still employed by the team, but they kick him back upstairs. He's just that senior football advisor, whatever. Right? That's, that's going like, to happen. Sorry to cut you off. There's, he's not going to be not on this staff anymore. Right. He'll be, but he'll I, be somewhere in the building. I could also see a situation where, where they, they being the team, the crafts go to him and say, Matt's not in charge of the offense anymore. Like, right. You can stay, you like, you can either find somebody else or we can find somebody else. Right. Like, I think that would be, and I can't imagine Bill Belichick would walk away like no, Matt Patricia being his offense coordinator would be the hill he'd die on. As for the Mac Jones stuff, I'm team Mac. I get, and I think he's more frustrated with the situation. Like people are trying to make this like personal about Patricia. No, I right. get, I, I, I don't think he's going to like go egg Patricia's house or anything. Right. I think he's frustrated with the situation. Well, there was a video, there was a video of them on the sideline talking it over after and laughing. Yeah. And they hugged and whatever. Like so Mac's like, an emotional guy. First of all, I don't it's know why we're all, it's an emotional game. I don't know why we're all like 
so aghast at this when the exact same thing happened last week. And by the way, it wasn't right. just Mac Jones. It was Mac Jones, Kendrick Bourne, and Neil Snagler. So right. I don't get that. I get why we're talking about it. It's good content. I don't get why people are acting so surprised about it. We just saw the same thing happen. It's right. two weeks in a row. Yeah. But I'm Team Mac. I, I'm, I'm all for him being frustrated with the situation. It's a frustrating situation. He's clearly not the only player frustrated with it, as we heard last week from Bourne and Aguilar. And, you know, you want your leader to be on the same page with the rest of the locker room. And by the way, I love a quarterback that shows emotion and wears right. his emotion on his sleeve, positively or negatively. You know who else did that? The last guy, Tom, well, yep. the two guys go, but also the last guy, honestly, Cam right. Newton played very emotionally. And I loved that. Yeah, Cam Newton for, did all, too, yeah. for all his warts, it made him very fun to watch. And you know what? If Mac was just walking off the field emotionless, you know what all these people would be saying today? Well, he doesn't care. Oh, he doesn't care. Oh, you right. think he'd be upset about not moving above? No, like, I want my quarterback to show emotion. I am. A, you can quote me on that. I am on the record on that. I love that yeah. he cares this much. I sat here, whatever it was, three weeks ago, and reamed out Zach Wilson for not giving a shit. Yep. I stand by that 100%. I loved it, Max fired up. I hope when they have success, he's as emotional in a positive sense as he's been the last two weeks when things aren't going well. That's what I want my quarterback to be. That's what I want my leader to be. Right. Like it's just I, I think it's such a good trait that he cares as much. Nobody ever told Tom Brady to, to tune it down. And fine, Tom Brady's too above and beyond. You shouldn't compare him, you know, to, right. to Tom Brady. There's other quarterbacks, like great quarterbacks who showing emotion is a big part of what they do. Like just, you know, Philip Rivers is the first one that comes to mind. And yeah. people, oh, he didn't win a Super Bowl. He was a good player, right? Mm -hmm. And Philip Rivers played with a ton of emotion. I'm I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, off the top of my head right now, Russell Cam Wilson. Newton's, Cam Newton's the good example. Cam Newton was Cam an MVP Newton. in this league, and he played really good, solid quarterback play. And his his whole thing is his moxie and his attitude and his care for the game. It's like that's you, a thing you that have you want to be that confident, right? You have to be that confident. And I mean, you know, Stafford's another guy who plays with a ton of emotion. You saw him uh, last week, uh, or or last year win a Super Bowl, right. right? Drew Brees was another guy who played very emotionally. Ben Roethlisberger was another guy who played very emotionally. You know who's somebody who doesn't play with a lot of emotion, by the way? And I didn't even think I was going to go down this road, but I'll use it while I have it. Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, a stone-faced quarterback, just walking off the field. That's the guy that doesn't care. Nah, you're, no, you're reaching. Jimmy Jimmy plays with some, with some swagger. He's mm. he's a guy. He, he laughs and he's, yeah, I, I don't. I've never don't seen like him get that. mad like that. He'll that's play with emotion when they're winning. Mad. Yes, that's a good point. I've that's never seen point. him get mad. Like, he didn't get mad. He quit. Remember, he tried holding out. He tried leaving because it wasn't going his way. Conversation for another day. It is. I did, again, I didn't <laughs> intend to go that way. But, like, no, I know. <laughs> I'm all, I want my quarterback to play with emotion. I do. Right. And, and Mac does it, and it's great. I, I would not tell him to change it. I wouldn't. If that's the way he plays, if that's what's going to fuel him, let it fuel him. I'm with you. And it's, again, it's, you, people think it's a bad thing. And it's really, I mean, again, if he's, if he's cussing out players and like flipping out, like, and it's like negatively impacting the game, then that's one thing. But it hasn't. And it, it shouldn't because, again, it's not, it's, no, it's, he's not, it's, he's not chewing out his wide receivers or anything. Like, right. That's he's different. getting, right. Exactly. He's not talking down on anyone he's like right he's pissed off and he wants this thing to freaking work and it hasn't and it's come to a point um last thing here is just uh 
I mean, the offensive line, uh, they only let up one sack, but Mac, there was pressure on his face all game. That's misleading. Yeah, so misleading. There was pressure all over him. I'm just, if anything, that's, that's another feather in Mac's cap that there was only one sack in that game. Good for Mac. Seriously, he was getting away. There was one play where um, it was Orlovsky broke it down. I go to him like the Bible uh, on some of He's these film breakdowns, yeah. and uh, it was it was a simple five man protection. Five guys. They were not doing any sort of like clouding or you know um, what what did the Patriots call it when they would just have like the amoeba? There was no amoeba yeah. in this play. It was five down linemen, two linebackers behind them, uh, and they just they rushed five. And the offensive line, five on five, had no idea what to do. Connor McDermott doubles down for no reason when uh, David Andrews down blocks and McDermott down blocks on the same guy. And then Isaiah Simmons comes free and Mac gets away with it. So that's not a sack, but Mac gets away and throws the football away. But it's like, if you can't even scheme up the base, a uh, basic, you know, five man front with two backers on with five on five, no free rushers. It's not like it was a blitz and you're throwing off the backer. It was. They just couldn't block five on five, and it, it's bad. It's really bad, and it's it's not going to get better this season. And it's it, like you said, it has to be the quick fix for next season if you don't want to lose Mac and his confidence anymore. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting. I actually talked to Ross Tucker when I was at the Army Navy game. Uh, he and he played for the Patriots in two thousand five as an offensive lineman when Matt Patricia was the assistant offensive line coach. He's one of the few players outside of those on this team who were coached by Matt Patricia offensively. And I, you know, I asked him about what Patricia was like. He's always oh, he great. Tucker actually worked very closely with him because he came in during the season and Patricia was the one who got him caught up to speed. Well, Scar was working with the team, getting ready for the week and all that. And he said, yeah, just, it feels like a big jump. This is Tucker talking about yep. Patricia. It feels like a big jump for a guy who's never called offensive plays to go right to it. He said he probably could have been the offensive line coach. He probably could have been, you know, even, a, you know, just a positional coach yeah. or an advisor or a quality control coach when right calling plays a bit much. And he said, especially when the offensive line isn't very good. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, he's also the offensive line coach. And Tucker said, no, it's too much. So, you know, not to dogpile on Patricia. And this, this is probably more of a bill critique than a Patricia critique. Patricia's just in the or critique. Patricia's just in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. No, 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 duh. The offensive line looks bad. The guy coaching him's in well over his head. So, right. and then on top, but, but there's more to it than just that. I mean, they don't have, they don't have a, one of the tackle spots, whichever way they want to do it. Cause they move guys around. They don't have between Isaiah Wynn, Connor McDermott, Yadni Kajust. They don't have a starting tackle on one side. Trent Brown was fine to start the season. Ever since he got this illness, ever since the bye. It, it's been bad. It's it's really been ugly. He doesn't look like he belongs out there. He's got to figure it out. Like I'm a big fan of his. I think he's tremendously talented. I don't think he's cooked, but he looks cooked. He looks like a yeah. guy who should retire. So it's not going to get better. I, we talked about this before. It's just not going to get it better this year, and they can adjust it You know, in the offseason. I'm working on for 98.5thesportsup.com, 10 players to watch in the college football playoff. Three of them are tackles, and they're going to need to – go that road but in the meantime it's quick throws yards after the catch screens things like that that just are gonna hide as much as you can yeah you know rpos with the offensive lines doing but i think it you, you can that's the hardest position especially tackle specifically mm-hmm. that's the hardest position to hide a deficiency at in this league i actually think it's harder to hide a deficiency at tackle than it is to hide a deficiency at quarterback 
Look what's going on so, with the Niners right now, right? The way offenses are called in this, you know, in this day and age and the way it runs, it's it's you might be right there. Yeah. You know, because if you can block it, if you can get it right. blocked and you can get even if you don't have a great quarterback, if you can get him time and you can make it paint by number. You might not have the most exotic offense. You're not going to break any scoring records, but this is what the Niners offense is predicated on. Right. right. Is back we're just going to make it just simple. Keep going and back easy. to Jimmy. <laughs> no, no. But even like right no, now, it's, it's Brock Purdy, how they're winning games. Yep. Right. And, right. Um, you know, you, you see the Dolphins are another example. Everybody points to acquiring Tyree kill as the reason for the turnaround. He's a big part of it. You know, else a big part of it. They got Teron Armstead back. That's been a, yeah. he, his presence has been a massive game changer for them. So you got to have a tackle. They don't have a tackle right now. They're not going to have a tackle for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. We'll deal with that in the off season, but that doesn't mean that they can just throw their hands up and say, well, this is a good season guys. Let's pack it in. Like they got to figure out ways to make it work as it exists right now. And hopefully they add a tackle in the off season, move on from there. But yeah, the off season, the offensive line was not good and it continues to be a problem. A couple uh, college football uh, mentions in there. So before we, before we put a bow on this and before we do our quick college football minute, I do want to talk about our new sponsor at rocket money. Uh, did you know? Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost right now? Because you look at it and it's pretty crazy. You probably don't know uh, that eighty percent of people have subscriptions that they completely forget about. Most Americans think they spend eighty dollars a month on subscriptions when actually it's closer to two hundred. Amazon Prime, ESPN Plus, Hulu, whatever the case may be, you're sharing them with people. You're sharing them with your cousins. They're draining your bank account. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions that you don't even know about. I don't do this anymore, Alex, and that's because I use Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you still don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, you could save you hundreds of dollars a year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. You can see it right below us, rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. I want to add one more thing on this game here before yep. we totally put the bow on it. Totally. They got to figure out the punt unit. Yes. They had that one game, oddly enough, in the wind against the Jets. Pilardi's debut where he looked great. He had an average net punt last night, net yardage. 32.7. Yeah. And two touchbacks and a shank will do that. And one of the touchbacks was a mistake by Matthew Slater. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Oh, I yeah. Guess you just right sort on the of line. Like, you know, after what is this year, 14, 15, 16 for yeah. him, right? After 15 years, he was bound to make one mistake eventually. But mm-hmm. Jake Bailey's eligible to come off IR this week. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Well, after. When Bailey went out and Pilardi came in and he had that really good game, we were yeah. saying that Bailey might be done here because Pilardi was just right. going to take it and run. But that, that nope. they've struggled. Uh, so, yeah, again, Patriots win. A win's a win. I do put it in quotes. It's tough. Again, they're the seventh seed, right? So, seventh seed, you have the opportunity to win out and get yourself in the playoffs, and then anything can happen. But they still have a lot to work on, and – yeah, I mean that that's really that. They have two they had there's these two games against Arizona and Vegas. We said you have to win them and then you figure out the three the next three after because these are the winnable ones. You got you got done with one, you got it, you know, get the W and chalk it up. Get on to the next one and see what happens. So right. that's that's what the Patriots do. They win 27-13 out in Arizona. Um let's do a college football minute here, Alex. Um and it's a bit of a somber one. Uh but it's 
it, it it's got to be talked about, and it's it's too bad. But uh, Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach uh, passed away last night, at the age of sixty one. Former Texas Tech head coach, former Washington State head coach, currently or was the rather the Mississippi State head coach. He uh, had a heart attack earlier this week and uh, ends up passing away last night at age sixty one. Uh, Mike Leach, a legend in college football space, uh, an innovator of the air raid offense. Um, always good on a hot mic, um, always had a good answer for everything. Um, just I- innovative. And, you know, you see all these concepts in the NFL now and in college and spreading guys out and you talk about it. It's, you had talked about it here on the college for a minute, just what Tennessee does with Hendon Hooker and they spread them out and they use the entire 52 and a third field. That's, that starts with a guy like Mike Lynch and, uh, yeah, it's just too bad. He's gone way too soon. Yeah, I mean, you know, first off, thoughts with with his family and those close to him in the Mississippi State program. A massive loss. You know, you talk about people who are one of one. I mean, Mike Leach right. defined being one of one and in in really in two ways. I mean, as a college football coach, you know, as a football mind, first off, he he's one of the very few coaches who didn't play football uh in college. Right. He was a rugby player, played football as a rugby player, left to get his law degree. And he got his master's, he got his law degree, and then he started coaching high school football as an offensive line coach. Like he really didn't have a background in it. Um, and you wonder maybe if that's kind of how he saw the game differently. He's able to, to create this new offense with Hal Mummy uh, at Kentucky. And it really comes from a guy named Mouse Davis, who, who Mummy had worked for. And those are the three guys when you talk about the air raid offense. And yep. Teams just didn't like, like we think now a quarterback throws the ball 50 times, especially in a college offense, big deal. That was so unheard of and i saw somebody say today from you know seven on seven high school football to the 2007 patriots mike leach's fingerprints are on those teams and it's really true the the air raid offense when when teams realize you could throw the ball like that you know when teams realize you could throw the ball in quick succession when you throwing the ball didn't have to be about picking up big games right gains right? right force the defense to go small force the defense to keep up with you in terms of speed massively massively revolutionary you look at all the ncaa passing records pretty much all of them were set uh, you know under mike leach either as an offense coordinator or as a head coach or guys from his coaches by the way an impressive coaching tree from sonny dykes gary patterson lincoln riley yeah. coached with him at texas you even Tech. look at a guy Cliff Kingsbury last night for say Cliff what you Kingsbury. will about Kingsbury coach coach coached him at Tech and then uh, yeah he moves yeah. on to be a head coach in the NFL so keep going so just you know uh, it, I would encourage everybody to go read up on on kind of Mike Leach's uh, coaching tree both the tree he came from and his tree and the history of the air raid offense and it, it's all very fascinating and it really all of the modern a lot of the modern offense we talk about all the things we're sitting here red in the face saying we want the Patriots to do that all goes back to concepts, Mike Leach and, and how mummy put together at, at uh, Iowa Wesleyan. And then later on at Kentucky with Tim couch as the quarterback. And then there's the other side of it. Then there's Mike Leach, the person who again, just didn't approach being a football coach like anybody else did. Like he was right. a true football guy, but he also really didn't like, it wasn't about football for him. You know, right. everybody knows about the pirates. He had a big statue of a pirate in his office. He's fascinated by pirates swing the sword, but you could ask him about anything in an interview. If you just go on Twitter, there's so many good clips today from it's amazing. The PAC 12 mascot battle to yeah. his advice on weddings to him talking about his players, girlfriends to the candy <laughs> quotes. 
coffee, him talking about his own death, like on a 60 yeah. minute or on a yeah. 60 interview. I there's a great 60 minutes piece with him. 60 Jeremy's minutes just put up on, on YouTube today. Um, just a, a really fascinating individual. And you can, the way he viewed the game, you know, it was all, he just, he approached the game both, both personally and from an X and O's point of view, in a way nobody ever has his players loved playing for him. It yielded results, right? He went to, as a head coach in 21 years, 19 bowl games, which I know people think everybody makes a bowl. They really don't. That's an insanely impressive number, especially when you consider the programs he was at. Like Texas tech was a nothing program before he got there. Right. That was the fourth, maybe fifth school in Texas. Washington state was the third school uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Mississippi state really was probably the second school in Mississippi yeah, yeah. in terms of football. And he won. He won everywhere, and and he made fans everywhere, and you know his players loved him. The media loved him. Nobody had a bad thing to say about the guy. So, just you know, again, one of one kind of person, a instrumental football mind, an electric personality in a sport that's you know, we I talk about this all the time in the sicko stuff, right? The, you know, sicko football and how foot, college football is so great because it's so weird and it's so different and so unique. In a sport chock full of big personalities, I mean, Mike Leach is at the top of that. He's it, yeah. And, and he, and to, on top of that, be an incredible coach, uh, just an absolute titan, gone too soon. And it, it, the game, the game is lesser today, and will be lesser moving forward by him no longer being in it. Yeah, you talk about again. You talk about the tree and the you know the guys that have come under him, and you, you know you, you can look back on it. But even Cliff Kingsbury, right? He's the yeah. guy. He's he was the guy at the first, you know, not the first, but a Texas Tech quarterback who was like throwing the ball over the yard. But then he goes to Houston, and you know he runs this system with Case Keenum, who breaks all the college football records. But then Lincoln Riley sprouts out, and then Lincoln Riley has you know Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Caleb Williams. So it's like his fingerprints. It, it truly is. They're all over. And you talk about that as a football mind, but then again, we'll we'll wrap it on Leach here because you know. Looking, you look through his Twitter account, right, and just yeah. reading the things he, you know, retweets and sends, and it's from even last week talking about their bowl game, like they they're going to allow us with cowbells, like, and then all of a sudden he tweets a random history quote, and his pin tweet, it's phenomenal, and it it meshes his, you know, his impact on the game just with his huge personality, and it's a it's a quote from Sun Tzu, the Art of War, and the quote is. If he is superior in strength, evade him. If the forces are united, separate them. Attack him where he is unprepared. Appear where you are not. Appear where you are not expected. And he says that that is what encapsulates the air raid offense, and that's the air raid offense philosophy. So it's like it's it's crazy. It's again, it's it's too bad he's gone. He said it in his E sixty, and it, that, another thing that encapsulates Mike Leach in his personality is Jeremy Schapp in the E sixty asks him, like you said, you know, what do you want to be remembered for, and what do you want your obituary to say? And he just looks at him and goes, that's not my problem. I'm going to be dead. Like, it, it's just, he's right. just the dry humor, the, the, the everything, the, the, the fingerprints on football. It's just I would, I would, and look, the piece is 10 years old, but yeah. I would encourage everybody to go watch the 60 minutes clip. It's like 10, 11 minute clip on YouTube. 60 minutes is, and it, it does a great job of both showing who he was as a person and what the air raid offense really changed in the game yeah. of football. Also why it's called the air raid offense. I never knew this when they were at Iowa Wesleyan, there was literally a guy who 
bought an air raid siren at a yard sale and would play it in the stands every time they scored to the point where like the refs had to ask them to stop because they were scoring so much, which <laughs> is an incredibly Mike Leach story. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, there's a great, great, great 60 minutes piece on him. I'd inc- I'm actually going to tweet it out once we get done with the show. I meant to do it earlier, but uh, I yeah, would encourage people out. to go check that out. Do it. Yeah. So again, Mike Leach, uh, gone way too soon, uh, dies at 61 years old, uh, was with Mississippi state, um, football historian, just a legend. Um, but so let's let's transition into another college football uh, topic real quick before we get out of here, because, Alex, you were down in Philadelphia this past weekend for Army Navy. Looked amazing. First time the first time the game ever goes to overtime. Um, so w- uh, what happened down there? What you see if you, you have a quick anecdote on just, you know, how that experience was? Because I, I haven't heard from you yet. We haven't had the conversation. Yeah. So I'm, let, let's talk. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And, and so I was down there kind of getting a feel of what it's going to be like because the game is here next year. It's in Foxborough, and I couldn't be more excited. I mean, I know casual football fans dismiss it. Oh, it's triple option. It's low scoring. Like, neither team is is a contender. No, 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 no. It, it feels like as somebody who's been to big-time SEC football games, it feels every bit the part of a big time college football game. It feels like a playoff game. Like the, the environment is electric the week leading up to it. There's all this stuff going on. I mean, I was there Friday, but you yeah. know, Friday, the whole city's a buzz with it. Um, and then you get to the stadium on Saturday and there's, you know, tanks out front and um, there's these massive crowds, this massive tailgate, the stadium's all done up. There's like a three hour pregame ceremony from both academies. It's really powerful March on, when the cadets and the midshipmen walk on the field and go into the stands, the crowd's electric. I actually, this is one of the coolest things I've ever done. So I'm in the press, I was in the press box for most of the game, yep. but we actually got to go down on the field with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then overtime. And I don't know that I've ever been more excited for a team <laughs> to choose a direction in overtime. Oh, so we're yeah. behind one of the end zones. And I, I mean, I'm thinking like, oh, they're obviously going to go towards the cadets and the midshipmen. Nope, they came, we were on the other end. They came towards us. And that building, I mean, I've covered playoff games. I've covered playoff games at Gillette. Like, not last year's, like a real Tom Brady was here playoff game. Yep. Felt like that. I mean, you could, the, the, the building was electric. The players are, are getting into it. The fans are getting into it. It's that, like, if, if you're somebody who just, loves the game of football for like the culture of it. Right. Yeah. If you're somebody who appreciates football for not just fantasy and not just, Oh, I want to see 70 to 60 in, in that. Like if you're somebody who appreciates the history of the game, the culture of the game, the art of the game, dare I say, you will, you would love army Navy. The, the, the catch 22 is that people who appreciate the game that much already know what army Navy is all about. I right. think, but Getting to go in person, like, yeah, there's just another level to it that's really hard to put into words. That it's, it's, you can tell it's a special moment. You, you can yeah. tell the entire game is a special moment. It feels special being there. And, uh, it's a great game. First ever Army Navy to go to overtime, gutted for, and I'm blanking on his name, but, but the, the running back for Navy fumbled on the goal line. And then oh, Coach yeah. Ken gets let go after 16 years. Crazy. Um, you know, really, really, uh, a game that had a lot of implications for that yeah. Navy program, but uh, just an unbelievable game, Un- yeah, unbelievable that's... game, unbelievable football environment. A plus, 12 out of 10, five stars. Like, if you love 
football, like if you're not just some casual fantasy player, like if you're somebody who's a football junkie, that game will scratch your itch. Because of Alex, our, our guy Liam appreciates that's, the football. I, of Liam, so. that means a ton. That's really yeah. what, that. That's what I love about the show more than anything else. I yeah. I love the opportunity that I get to share my love of football with other people and hopefully kind of get other people to appreciate football on that level. So thank you so much. That means a ton. That's why I put it up. I figured that. But uh, so yeah, again, uh, that's going to be here uh, next next season in Foxborough. Um, so. I'm looking forward to hopefully doing some coverage, uh, you know, out out in Foxborough for that. That's gonna be that's gonna be outstanding. Um, awesome that you were able to, you know, go check that out. Yeah. We'll we'll have it here. So, uh, yeah, good story again. Uh, last last piece of college football is, and we'll, we'll then we'll wrap it up because we're we're at our hour mark, and we uh, we could do like we've said it a million times. We could do our own college football podcast. But Caleb Williams wins the Heisman for USC on Saturday. Uh, Max Duggan comes in second believe it was cj stroud in third and stetson came in fourth um i did think that duggan had a chance uh as as the last weekend happened but uh turns out caleb williams you know you it's it's recency bias after uh you know the whole tcu and max duggan overtime game happens and caleb williams loses but you know when you take a step back and you look at the whole body of work caleb williams was the best player in college football this season and he wins lincoln riley's third heisman trophy for a quarterback uh, behind Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Caleb Williams. So he just churns them out at this rate. And, uh, yeah, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner. So the only reason I thought Duggan had – and, look, I love Max Duggan, but yeah. I thought the best thing he had going for him was the voters are all old. They don't stay up late. Guys on the West Coast yeah. never win it. And I thought they got the first three right in order. You know, I'm on the record as saying Stetson should have been nowhere near New York. I would right. have gone Corum, Hendon Hooker ahead of him. Um, and Bright, Bryce Young, I think, even finished ahead of Quorum, which I would have gone yeah, the other way on that one. But Caleb Williams deserved it. He won it. Good for him. Good for Lincoln Riley. You know, just keeps Lincoln trying Riley's out amazing. Heisman winners. Yeah. You know, now he's going to, you know, Caleb Williams, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him now because it's all lining up with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, where he plays for Lincoln Riley, yeah. as the Heisman, as an underclassman, you know, first overall pick, we think with Caleb Williams and he's going to yeah. have to prove that he's different than those two guys. I think he is. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he's up for it. I think he's up for the test and I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, even though Max didn't win it, I'm really excited to see him in the playoff. Yeah. I think that's going to be a fun game. That was a cool, uh, a cool little during Caleb Williams speech. Actually, he looked down at the other three quarterbacks and, uh, he goes, you know, I'm up here, standing here, but the three of you get to play in the college football playoff next weekend. So it's kind of a kind of a catch twenty two or next right. Month. So that, that was that was a good moment. He's he's a, you know, for all the crap he gets for you know writing the profanities on his fingers, and he he's he's awesome. He's he's a good dude. He, he speaks well, and uh, again deserved the Heisman Trophy. So wins Lincoln Riley's third, and uh, again he's he's gonna have to follow in that path behind like you said Baker Mayfield Kyle Murray so I think he's up for it as well uh he, he's a monster so he has another season before he ends up in the draft anyway but uh yeah good stuff good college football minute here let's wrap it Patriots again win out in Arizona on Monday night they are seven and six now they are in last place in the AFC playoff picture uh, that that didn't sound right they're not in any sort of last place they're the first team uh, at the, they're the back end of the AFC playoff picture, seven seeds. So they control their own destiny moving forward. They will play the Vegas Raiders on Sunday afternoon um, in Las Vegas. That'll be another big game 
they gotta they gotta keep getting these wins, Alex, and you know to kind of control their own destiny here. So we'll see what happens. We'll be back on Thursday to preview that game, um, and then we'll be back obviously after after the weekend to uh, to break it down. So uh, until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at Real Alex Barth. Read all his stuff on ninety five The Sports Hub. Make sure you check out his Twitter and you know watch that uh, Mike Leach thing too because uh, fascinating stuff. So uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at Mike Cal. That can read my stuff on CLNS Media. Again, until Thursday, we will see you all next time. And thanks for watching.